42! Blue, 42! Hut, hut, hike! This is The Game Managers on WJLX 101.5, America's one and only sports talk show. Breaking down college football's biggest games, latest news, and greatest moments. Are you ready? Because it starts right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome, and happy Easter. We are back here on the Game Managers Podcast, where we talk sports every week. I'm Nick Norris, and with me, happy, hoppy Easter bunny boy, Justin Knight. Oh, bunny boy, I like that. Yeah, I've got to going with that. Would you rather start your Easter morning any other way than with this this podcast? We record this in the morning, by the way. Um... You know, I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe I'd like to eat some breakfast, mm. or you know, just sit down, have some chocolate milk. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I guess this is pretty good, you know. <laughs> well, why would you do that when you can do this? You can talk to me on a on a yeah. I guess that's true. That's right, radio I mean. platform. Yeah, very good. Uh, Justin, I don't know if you know this about me. I think you probably do, but I, I have really bad sleep apnea. Mm, yeah. So, you know, REM sleep, I could be totally wrong on this. I think people are supposed to be in REM sleep around like 20 to 40 minutes a night. Um, when I went to a sleep yeah, clinic, probably. When I went to a sleep clinic, I'm in it for seven of the eight hours I, I went to sleep. So I have a lot of crazy dreams. I remember a lot of them. Apparently, I had one last night. I wrote in my notes so I would remember it. Would you like to hear this dream? So are you doing the... Um Ah, oh, crap. What's it called where you get into that REM sleep and you have those dreams, lucid dreams? I've, I do a lot of lucid dreaming, yeah. I'm not sure if this was. Mm-hmm. I don't remember this one, but I wrote it down so that I would remember it, apparently. Okay. Uh, so here it goes. It's it, A lot of my dreams are very cinematic, so imagine this kind of in a, in a movie setting, okay? Okay. I'm going to read this verbatim as I wrote it down. It's It's one paragraph. An American boy and a Japanese girl meet at an international airport, no, an international soccer event and fall in love. He brings her home to meet his parents and she is nervous and wants to be perfect. He teaches her that she already is uh, perfect and needs no one's approval. Cute, right? Wrong. Reality glitches out and robots are behind everything. That's all I wrote down. That's the only (laughs) context I have. I don't know what that means. That's all you remember from it? (laughs) I don't remember this at all. This is what I wrote down in my sleep. I don't know what... Are the robots behind the people in love? Are they behind reality? What is happening? I don't know. Mm. Would you watch that Sounds like a good movie script. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that sounds like something you put Uh, on Sci-Fi Channel. I mean, heck, they made a movie about Sharknado. If anyone's interested, I'll sell it to you for $2 million. <laughs> that's fair. You may be able to get it. Well, let's let's stop talking about my, my weird dreams. Let's get into the sports news of the week. Um, we'll start out with some pro football news. Uh, actually, we're going to start out with a conspiracy theory. Have you heard the latest Tom Brady conspiracy theory? No, I don't really keep up with all the stuff that's happening. I mean, it feels like it's so much news around him now since coming back. Hmm. Well, well, I think we should get into it. It's, it's, it's a bit dumb. I think there are some things in it that probably are true, um, but not in this context. So, 
Uh, Tom Brady is known for a few things when hearing the name. Most people probably think about the seven Super Bowl trophies or his absolute refusal to age like a normal man. But there are many that hear his name and think of conspiracy. First it was Deflategate. Now we have another. The Guardian has given a rough outline of the conspiracy, which claims Brady's retirement may have just been one step in a larger plot to land the former Patriot and current Tampa Bay quarterback in Miami. Uh, so let's let's. Uh, I'm just going to give you a breakdown of this, if you don't mind, Justin. Okay. So on February 1st, we all know uh, Tom Brady made an announcement that he was going to retire from football. Uh, less than a, mar- a month after, on March 13th, he unretired leading many to wonder what exactly changed. And on March 30th, Tampa Bay head coach Bruce Arians said he would be stepping down, and we all agree that's probably, those things are probably related. Um, yeah, in probably some a capacity. Bit, so. Yeah. Uh, but here's where things get a little tricky in the realm of speculation. So everything from here on out is total speculation. Uh, I don't think it's even true, but we're going to look into it anyway. Uh, on February 18th, uh, Rich Onberger, a former player and current NFL analyst, reported that Brady, along with offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich, felt undermined by Arians and the two were seeking to go elsewhere. Meanwhile, Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio reported during that time that Stephen Ross and the Miami Dolphins wanted to bring in Brady and head coach Sean Payton, but not necessarily in a football role. The point was that Brady be part of the front office, presumably to start the next phase in his NFL career. So, Brady would have been an executive and still playing football, which sounds silly, and that's because it is, but sillier things have happened in the NFL. The next step of the plan would have been for Brady to then unretire, install himself as the starting quarterback, and have the Dolphins work out some sort of trade compensation for the loss to the Bucks. Uh, there are no rules against Miami signing Brady as an executive, but he would have still been under contract to play with the Bucks. However, all of this reportedly came crashing to a halt with the uh, Brian Flores situation. Uh, Flores, Miami's previous head coach, was fired, and then he uh, filed a racial discrimination lawsuit against the Dolphins in the NFL, and this is what caused Brady to stop thinking about that. And of course, remember who accidentally, quote, accidentally, sent a text to Flores that tipped him off about the Giants that had only planned to interview Flores as a formality because they seemingly wanted a white coach. That's because it was Brady's former coach, uh, Belichick, that sent that text. So Belichick may have intentionally or unintentionally destroyed Brady's plan to come to Miami. If those things were to be true, though, Brady and the Dolphins could face potential tampering charges Though that would likely never happen. Do you think there's any truth to this whatsoever? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's it just sounds like another crazy uh, theory. Yeah, it that's sounds what like it. just somebody put some stuff together and was like, "Hey, I'm gonna make a great article out of this. Just get people's minds yep. uh, flowing and twisting and mm-hmm. see what they think about it." That's the only reason. I don't think it's true. I don't. I don't doubt that Miami looked into Tom Brady and that time uh, Tom Brady looked into Miami. I don't doubt that at all. But uh, these, this is these are too many moving parts for all of this to be right. Not all of this yeah, can be this correct. Is, 
Yeah, right. This is way too much. Yeah, but who knows? Anyway, let's get into some real news. I just thought every, that's all anybody's been talking about on Twitter. I just thought we should talk about it, give our thoughts. I don't think it's true necessarily. No. But getting back to news um, and sticking with professional football, the XFL has announced its coaches, which include Reggie Barlow, Anthony Becht, Ter- uh, Terrell Buckley, Jim Haslett, Wade Phillips, Bob Stoops, and Heinz Ward. Bob Stoops is going Bob to coach Stoops. XFL? Well, he was with the AAF or something recently, wasn't he? Oh, I guess. I don't know. So I guess it makes sense that he'd pop back up and do this. He's... I mean, he's the most experienced of those coaches by far. So a lot of these guys oh, haven't yeah. ever been hit well, coaches. Yeah, him and Wade Phillips sounds like that's really it. Yeah, and there's some some other guys here and there. Heinz Ward, that's interesting. Some other ones, but oh uh, yeah, Heinz Ward, yeah, that'll be pretty good hire. But okay, great, and we're going to talk about, of course, the USFL and Alabama A Day here in a bit. Uh, we have to start out. College football news with some with some sad news, though. Former Auburn quarterback Jeff Klein, he died Wednesday after a reported battle with cancer. He was only 42 years old. Um, Klein, who played for Auburn from 1999 to 2001, was the starting quarterback in his first season with the Tigers. He threw for 1,139 yards, seven touchdowns across three seasons. More recently, Klein worked as a teacher, baseball coach, and assistant football coach um, at Lochip. Oh, I can't ever say this. Lochapoca High School in Alabama. Um, terrible news. That's so incredibly young. Mm. I, I hate that so much. Yeah, especially now. Yeah, lose somebody that young. Yeah, that's pretty sad. I believe there is a GoFundMe for his family. Um, I'm going to link that in the description if you're listening on a podcast format so that anyone who feels like they would like to give will be able to do so. But, um, yeah, that's absolutely terrible. But trying to transition to lighter news, Georgia Bulldogs quarterback JT Daniels has transferred to West Virginia over Missouri and Oregon State. Daniels was undefeated during his time at Georgia, but ultimately lost the starting job to one Stetson Bennett during the 2021 college football season. Uh, okay. Yeah, that sounds like... <laughs> yeah, it's because... I guess. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to have to compete with anybody, as far as I know. Um I mean, if the dude never gets hurt uh, with Georgia, he's probably s- still there and still playing. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah. Probably. It's just a matter of kind of some things didn't roll his way. But, yeah, I've, West Virginia's had some good quarterbacks in the past, and um, they'll probably be a good, school, good fit for him. The ESPN College Football Power Index has calculated its top 25 teams heading into the 2022 season. Would you like me to read these off to you, Justin? Yeah, just leave the top 10. What we got? All right, we got Alabama, number one. Ohio State, number two. Georgia, number three. Clemson, number four. No surprises there, right? No, that makes sense. Uh, Number number five, Notre Dame. Number six, Texas. Okay. (laughs) That's uh, okay. Number seven, Michigan. Okay. Back kind of on track. Number eight, Oklahoma. Number nine, Pittsburgh. Okay. Number 10, Auburn. And then how? There's three Hows on there. Texas, Pittsburgh, and Auburn are in the top ten. Why? So, I had an argument with um, another Auburn fan about this. He just said it's the 
prop the power and the probability of I guess it's the wins you have during the the season and yes, it's based off it. of it's based off if you put all the teams on a neutral field and made them all play each other, these would have the most wins essentially is what it is. Yeah, even though it said Auburn would have seven point six wins, which is less than all the teams behind them. Um, hmm. So I don't. I guess it's just because I think Auburn's it, wins mean more. Maybe it also <laughs> factors in strength of schedule and some other things. Probably, um, but because he, he was like, well, it doesn't mean they're the tenth best team in the country. Well, um, that's. Basically, what they're hinting at with this power index, this is like your preseason top twenty-five uh, by the ESPN computers. Um, so yeah, Auburn at ten. I I don't get it. I don't see where they're getting the power numbers. Even Pitt is more surprising to me, just because you're losing Kenny Pickett, who was basically your whole team. I know you had a good yeah star wide receiver, but that's because Kenny Pickett was throwing to you. Um, I don't know how they got into the conversation. And then Texas, it seems like we talk about Texas every single year. Texas is back. Texas is back. Oh my goodness, this is Texas's year. They're going to be so good. Um, and what has Texas won? One national championship in the past 30, 40 years? Mm, more, than, wait, more than that. They've won one in the last, at least the last, 12 years. You have to go back 12 years to see the last time they won one. Yeah, which was Vince Young and then when they win one before No, that's that, more th- No, that. 12 years since they competed in one. Yeah, longer since they won. Oh, competed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about like winning. Right. Um, yeah. They won with Vince Young and then who else did they win with before that? Uh it's it's been a it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. So, I mean just the conversation of this, you know, Texas being some powerhouse when, I mean, they haven't really done much. Um, so, I yeah, don't I'd know. say the last, um, I'd say the last ten years has been, it's been a mixed bag, but I'd say it's mostly been bad. Oh yeah, bad it's just been bad. Yeah, it's mostly yeah. Been, been bad seasons. Maybe not always losing seasons, but a, a lot of those. But and they a haven't lot won bad seasons. They haven't won the Big Twelve in a long yeah, time. Right. I'm going to quickly go through 11 through 25. So 11, we have LSU, 12, Penn State, 13, Oklahoma, 14, Texas A&M. They're a little low, in my opinion. 15, Utah, 16, Michigan State, 17, Ole Miss, 18, Miami, 19, Baylor, 20, Kentucky, 21, Wisconsin, 22, North Carolina, 23, Oregon, 24, Mississippi State, and 25, Florida. So that's one, two, uh, three, four, Five, six, at least six SEC teams in the top twenty-five. I probably overlooked one or two. Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, and then Florida, Florida at twenty-five too. That's a yeah. little bit ridiculous oh, yeah. as well. They haven't. Yeah, their their program crashed and burned after last year. <laughs> seems like a, yeah. Anyway. Uh, just the whole ESPN computers seem like they are a little outdated. Well, Maybe like you said, to see. it's not the preseason top twenty-five that will look different, but. This is a computer saying these are the most the teams that will have the most wins essentially, and factoring in I think strength of schedule. So it might as well be the top twenty five, I guess. But uh, yeah, obviously well. the computer, obviously there's a reason this isn't the top twenty five because it's a little wacky. So yeah, yeah. 
Well, moving on, Alabama has dipped into the transfer portal once again and once again landed a huge commit. This time, it was former Vandy offensive lineman Tyler Steen. Steen, who is 6'5", 325 pounds, was an established starter at Vandy. He started in 10 of 11 games last year and has two seasons of eligibility left. And uh, we need to quickly go through the rest of the news, but Alabama basketball star guard J.D. Davidson Davison, sorry, he announced on social media that he is declaring for the 2022 NBA draft. No, uh, no surprise there. The former five-star and McDonald's All-American averaged 8.5 points per game and led the team in assists with 4.3 per game. He was a SEC All-Freshman Team uh, member and um, projected to possibly go in the first round of the NBA draft. I was surprised to see that actually. Uh, yeah, I guess he could have stuck around another year, but I mean, if you're projected to go in the first round, get out of there. I'm surprised he's projected to go first round. Yeah. As soon as I hear that, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go get my money. Thanks, everyone. I'm not yeah. sticking around. Uh, Auburn's Olympic champion is now an NCAA champion, and the Tigers earned the chance to join her. Suni Lee won the individual beam national title on Thursday evening and helped Auburn advance to the national team finals during the second session of the national uh, semifinals in Fort Worth, Texas. Auburn scored a 197.8375 to uh, finish in the top two of the session and punch a ticket to the final four for the first time in program history. The Tigers uh, finished behind Florida, but ahead of defending national champion Michigan and Missouri, Auburn and Florida will join Oklahoma and Utah in the final Saturday. Very cool. Yep, and they came in uh, fourth, which, I mean, I guess was no surprise. Oh, yeah, um, this already happened. I wrote all this up this morning. So they came in fourth. Uh, yeah, they came in fourth. Oklahoma won. Um, and then I think it was Utah in second, or, or maybe Florida. I don't know. Okay, very good. Well, congrats. That's awesome. That's, uh, that's no small yeah, feat. Yeah, big for the program. So, yeah, huge. Yeah. Uh, Alabama baseball had an exciting week. It started with a 3-1 win over Belmont on Tuesday, followed by a 6-3 upset over number 1 Tennessee, 6-3, before losing the next one to the Vols, 9-3. The Titan Vols finished up the series on Sunday after recording this episode. Apparently, I didn't watch this game, but apparently a lot of, um, a lot of uh, people kicked out of this game. I don't know. What, in the first game? Yeah, in the first game. Like fans, I think players or co- or managers, coaches. I don't know. Maybe fans. I don't know. No. I didn't read into. I don't know. I just I saw. Time. I just saw Tennessee players were upset with the way Alabama celebrated their the first win. They acted like they won the World Series or something. <laughs> um, of course, Tennessee back bounced back, beat them last night. Right. Um, I didn't watch. I haven't watched any of the games, but I haven't either. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Well, Alabama softball started the week with a 7-12 loss to number 6 Florida, but the Tide had already secured the series win prior. Uh, Alabama swept Mississippi State 2-1, 7-6, and 4-0 oh on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So strong finish for the week. Auburn baseball yep. got started this week with a 4-1 win, win over 4-1 win over Sanford on Tuesday, before dropping a series 6-7 and 5-9 to, to Mississippi State on Thursday and Friday. Tigers did get a 3-2 win against State on Saturday. And finally, Auburn softball had a great week with a 10-0 shutout over Mercer on Wednesday, followed by an 8-0 win and another 15-7 win over Niagara in a doubleheader on Friday. But Justin, enough about 
all that if you don't mind. We're going to talk Alabama's A-Day game and the USFL's first weekend of games. But first, let's look up the weird news of the week in mm. Miss Managers. And here we go. Peculiar and wonderful and terrible and bad. Mismanagement and mystery and dreams you never had. Grizzly or grievous or beavers with cleavers. Audacity and specialty and news to drive you mad. It's a wonder any one of us can manage to survive in a world of, world of mismanagers. I love that theme song. That's so good. <laughs> okay. Well, I've got... I've got a few stories for us this week. Uh, four. Some are Easter-related. Some are not. I'd say it's about half and half. Uh, but they all happened this week, Justin. And it was a weird week. Usually, oh, I have to kind of usually I have to kind of look for a while to find any uh, weird news of the week. Uh, not this week. It was a weird week, apparently. Uh, we'll start while I ease you into it. This comes from UPI.com. Florida man saw Spider-Man No Way Home. A certain amount of times in theaters, a record-breaking time. Uh, before I tell you the number, how many times this guy saw the movie, Justin, uh, we both like the movie. How many times would you pay to see it in theaters? Uh, once. That's what I did. I paid to see it once. I probably would have saw it again, but just didn't. How many times do you think this guy saw it to break a record? Ooh, break a record. Keep in mind, it's a three-hour. Um, it's a three-hour movie. Yeah, I'm going to say, I don't know, 50 times. 50 times? That's Yeah, that's 50 yeah. times 3, whatever, what's 150 hours? That's a lot. Uh, this guy watched yeah. it 292 times. Okay. <laughs> uh, how do you have the time? Uh, I guess this is every night. For uh, No, this is going to be just like twice a day. That's 876 hours of watching Spider-Man. No way home. Why? Why? Do you think he took a bathroom break in any of those sessions? Probably not. He probably just had a <laughs> bottle with him, just peeing he in it. He probably had a bottle. That's okay. Well, let's say, let's go on the cheaper end. Let's say that he got those tickets for $8 each, which is possible. And it's probably not what he did. If he did, he spent over $2,000 at the movies watching Spider Man, $2,300. And $8 is cheaper for tickets. That's assuming he went alone and he went like during a day that's, you know, like a Tuesday special. So a lot of times it's yeah, like 16 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I can't fathom spending, you know, 2300 just for the ticket at a movie theater um, in such a short span. I mean, I don't know how quickly he did this. I mean, it's short span considering, you know, the movie's yeah. only in the theaters for a certain amount of time. Um, uh, this happened between he, December 16th and March 15th. <laughs> oh, my god! So gosh. three months. Uh, just, think, just think what that money could go to. Instead, you're going to see the same movie over oh. and over. He spent about $3,400 on tickets. Oh, So, yeah, that we, hurts. Were, we were significantly under by $1,100. That's crazy. So that... Yeah. Um, Was it worth it? He must, I guess he's a little crazy. Yeah, I think he is. I think he's a little crazy. Uh, speaking of a little crazy, this comes from Metro.co. Uh, grandma, 75 years old, still hasn't opened an Easter egg she was given when she was 13. Uh, and it's a chocolate Easter egg. And she still has it. 
Okay. <laughs> she is the owner of the world's oldest unopened Easter egg, and it looks disgusting, obviously. I would think so. Yeah. Why does she still have it? What's the point? They, they say chocolate doesn't get old. This chocolate looks looks quite old. <laughs> it doesn't look right. <laughs> I don't I, I That doesn't make any sense. Just go ahead and open the thing. Open it. Get rid of it. She now pays about $80 a month to have the egg kept in a cool storage container to prevent it from melting. Why? <laughs> Open it. What is in it that you can't just look at and see? It's what clear. It? You can look at it. It looks gross. It's just, what are you doing? Why are you, Who are you doing this yeah. for? Why are you paying 80 bucks a month to keep a chocolate egg intact when you just, just get rid of it? Get rid of it. Just get rid of it. Just get rid of it. Uh, this one comes from Fox News. Bearded, butch- bearded Butcher attributes cattle mutilation to extraterrestrial activity. Scott Perkins explains why he thinks aliens may be mutilating cattle. Uh, sounds like another crazy person. <laughs> do you want me to? Do you want me to read this? Yeah. Just what, what's his theory? Why does he think aliens are mutilating okay. cows? So he says, the prevailing theory seems to be that it's some sort of extraterrestrial activity, just given the fact that there's a lack of evidence at the scene, because one of the things that was that we employ at our shop is heavy equipment. We got hoists and things because if you have a bull, it could be 2,000 to 2,500 pounds. And even if you have an animal in the field and you want to just get around to the other side to remove a part of it, it's very difficult. You need a leverage to move it around, to move it or roll it around. Um... And Scott Perkins added that he does not think that a human would want to go to the actual work to perform these tasks. Maybe it was killed by an animal. I don't know. <laughs> I think he's I think he's saying that aliens are coming and using his equipment to mutilate cows. I think this guy <laughs> might be a might be a lunatic. <laughs> he might maybe he's doing Yeah, it. I mean why why would aliens come and target just his cattle? Use his equipment just to say, ha ha, I'm killing your cows. He says, someone who is not a butcher would butcher the scene, which would feature blood, tracks, and accurate incisions, he said. Learning where to cut to penetrate a carcass to eviscerate it or look for a certain part takes months or years. So yeah, he's saying that aliens use his equipment to, to essentially dissect cows to butcher them. So he, he's saying aliens are experts and dissecting cows, and they're butchers. He says, so there's no explanation as to why you would go through the effort to just remove a couple of parts, which frankly have no commercial value to them. Why wouldn't they just take the whole cow? Why would they just take little parts of it? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like you said, it sounds like he's doing this, and he's like, it must be aliens. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. I think he's doing it in his sleep or something. I don't know. This is, this yeah, is it could be. This is very weird. All right. Six wonderfully weird Easter traditions from around the world. This comes from missiontranslate.com. I'm not going to read all these, but I did like a few of them I'm going to pick out, if you don't mind. Um, In Russia, in Slovenia, and Poland, um, they do not serve lamb for Easter lunch, which is uh, common in the UK, other parts of the world, but they do take butter and carve it into a little lamb and then eat that butter. Must be some tasty butter. <laughs> in the Czech Republic, uh, they take out whips and whip girls lightly on the legs for Easter. This is called pomlazka. Comes from the world pomladit, which means to make younger. So I guess this is keeping women young. 
I'll be beat them. I'll keep them young. In Norway, uh, it's an Easter tradition to um, to take more days than most off during this period and split this time between skiing in the mountains and reading or watching crime stories in their cabins. It's big crime TV time. Everybody's watching crime TV during Easter. Okay. Maybe because there's not a lot of crime that happens in Norway. That is true. It's a very very nice uh, place, I hear. Uh, in France, they yeah. make a giant omelet. The locals gather up 15,000 eggs to create one giant omelet. It takes 50 volunteers to feed the whole community. <laughs> That's kind of cool. That's pretty. Yeah, that'd be cool. And the weirdest one in uh, New Guinea, cigarettes. They, uh, they heat, the heat and humidity make chocolate eggs impractical and less than appealing, so they hide cigarettes and tobacco packets uh, around churches and it's a big more people come than usual to the churches these days and uh, look for cigarettes <laughs> oh my gosh good stuff I, I guess think. clever clever on their part hmm. well I think that wraps up mismanagers we're going to go to a break but when we come back we're going to talk about Alabama's A-Day and the USFL's first weekend so we'll be right back <laughs> You're listening to The Game Managers on WJLX 101.5. Welcome back, everyone, to The Game Managers Podcast. I'm Nick Norris, and with me is Justin Knight. Oh, how's it going? It's going great, Justin. Uh, we're going to talk about the USFL and Alabama's A-Day. Let's, let's talk about A-Day first. Um, so, Alabama had its 8 day game Saturday. The white team scored first, never looked back, en route to a 25-7 victory over the Crimson team in the 2022 rendition of Alabama's A-Day. A total of 31,000 fans were in attendance for the Crimson Tide's final spring uh, session of the season. Uh, did you watch any of this, Justin? Uh, once again, I didn't realize it was even on. <laughs> yeah, I feel like people care less and less about these 8 day games every year. Is that you think that's fair? Yeah. Uh, also, yeah, with everything else going on, it's just not a lot put it, not a lot put into it. Yeah, I think maybe the USFL could have hurt this too. People watching, but I don't think many people watch this regardless. Uh, yeah, I'll give you some of the stats though. Running back Jameer Gibbs, he won the Dixie Howell Memorial Award, the MVP of the 8A game. While defensive lineman Jamil Burrows, he uh, earned the Dwight Stevenson Award, most valuable lineman of the 8A game. Gibbs led all rushers with nine carries for 100 yards and a touchdown for Crimson, while wide receiver Christian Leary had a game-best five catches for 106 yards and a score for White. Quarterback Bryce Young completed 14 of his 29 passes for 153 yards, and backup Jalen Milrow went 11 for 23 for 149 yards and a touchdown. Linebacker Jalen Moody had a game-high nine tackles, including one sack for a loss of eight yards, while linebacker Dallas Turner added three sacks for a loss of 21 for the white team. Defensive backs Jordan Battle and Christian Story both recorded interceptions in the contest, and the Tide Kickers went 6-for-6 six six with Jack Martin and Will Richard Reichard, I'm sorry, connecting on three apiece. Uh, some standouts of the game, uh, like we said, J- uh, Jalen Milrow, backup quarterback, he shined. I was able to connect uh, with Christian Leary in the first half of the scrimmage. It was a 52-yard touchdown. Um, he had very good stats. Uh, they think that he'll be able to kind of slide into that position once Bryce Young eventually departs. 
He uh, shows a lot of promise. And there were a lot of questions about the wide receiver core, but Christian Leary, as we said, he kind of came up to uh, be a standout on a day game with his 106 yards and a touchdown. So some things that struggled, of course, Alabama's offensive linemen. Pass protection was an issue for the majority of the game. Definitely we're going to have to improve that over the season. Uh, Hopefully that new transfer will be some help in that. And the defense dominated the day behind Will Anderson and Dallas Turner. Tide is going to have a very strong pass rush. Um, Mm -hmm. I know you didn't get to, to check this out, Justin, but... If, if you know what are some things that you're hoping to look closely at for Alabama um, I know it's going to be that offensive lineman um, offensive line unit I should say but what are what are some other weaknesses you could potentially see in this team well uh, first off I, I mean I hope they lose every game if that's possible is that is that possible probably not probably not possible I hope they win them all yeah, well, I hope they win that them all I hope you cry. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm, last season ended pretty well. Hopefully, it can end the same, but not going all the way to the national championship. That would be great. Um, I, I guess just the O line right now, because you know I've heard they've assembled a pretty good secondary. From uh, I think they've got some guys coming in transfer, and then some top recruits. So it sounds like you know they'll be better in the secondary than they have been in the past. Um, yeah, linebackers, D line is going to be outstanding. Um, of course, quarterback, running back, going to be a great duo. Right, and then O line, yeah, I think it'll be better this year. Of course, they struggled in the national championship, and and struggled in other games. You know, against LSU, struggled against Auburn, but um, I think they'll be better. I think they'll have improvement. Like you said, with the Vanderbilt transfer coming in, I think that'll add. Um, some good depth to the team where they needed the O line, but then and then wide receiver too, just because the guys are young a lot, haven't really seen a lot of um, ex, you know don't have a lot of experience, so it'd just be interesting to see how they develop through the season. I mean, it won't surprise me if you know a couple of them have a great year, especially when you have Bryce Young at quarterback. So it just depends, you know. Um, his development too, you know, you can always get better. Um, I think it's just going to be, he should, you know, we talked about this before. He's some somebody that should scramble more. I mean, we saw it, you know, when they beat Georgia in the SC Championship, he got out of the pocket more because he's got the athletic ability to do it. I know he he's more of like, he wants to stay in the pocket. He's a pocket passer. And um, he emulates his game a lot, you know, from Aaron Rodgers. But um, we know Aaron Rodgers moves around a lot and will get out of the pocket sometimes as well. So, I think if he starts kind of getting a little more comfortable moving out of the pocket, he'll, he'll be he'll get even better, which is kind of hard hard to believe. Um, saying that and get even better, but yeah, I, I think that's really it. Uh, it's not many concerns, I would say. It's just you know seeing how the O line does and the really wide receivers. Yeah, and I think that um, that this this team probably will be better. I think that there's going to be more leadership now that. The two leaders are juniors instead of sophomores, and Bryce Young and Will Anderson. Um, I think they'll they'll be able to have a little more control over that locker room. At least I hope so. So, yeah, I'm interested to see this, um, see how they improve over the summer. We'll keep an eye on it, of course, um, as we now just look toward SEC media day. It's not a lot going on football wise until then. So, 
Let's talk a little bit about the USFL. Did you uh, watch the Birmingham Stallions last night? I watched the last 20 seconds of the first half. Okay, I, wa- I only watched the first half. I don't have cable. I cancel it after the Super Bowl every year. But I was able to get on Fox's website and uh, and watch the first half for free, essentially. Uh, I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. I actually surpri- was surprisingly pleased with it. I, I didn't think I was going to be interested in this at all. I thought that this was going to be another standard AAF or AFL, whatever it was, and mm. XFL. This was this was entertaining. I thought it was pretty good football. I, I actually surprisingly really liked this. Um, I have a few notes that I wrote down. I'll kind of just go through these over time. We can talk about them. But I think this worked for one specific reason for me that the others didn't work, and it's that it didn't start the week after the Super Bowl. Like we had some breathing time. Mm. I had we had some time to like get away from football and and breathe. And then I'm, by the time it rolled around, I wasn't like excited for it. But I flipped it on. And I was like, oh, I, I miss this. Like I, I'm like I like that this is on. I have a, a reason to watch this. This is cool. Um, mm. so I just, even though it's just like a couple months, it's so much. I think that helps so much instead of just going. You know, the week after the Super Bowl where the two best professional teams play, how about you watch these not good professional teams? I had no interest in that. You know, so um, I I like this a lot. I really did. Um, The crowd size looked good. You probably saw that just when he flipped it on. I'm not sure what the numbers were. I tried to look them up. I don't think they've been posted yet or I didn't find them. But uh, it looked like a a good crowd there. Uh, Our friend Aaron was there. That's... But yeah, what what was you saying? My concern is though with fan turnout is when you have you're not your home team's not playing, it's just two random teams playing in Birmingham. What kind of fan turnout are you gonna get for that? Yeah, and I don't think I think that's gonna be significantly less. Because I think if you're going to a game, you're gonna go to a Birmingham one, right? Yeah, I don't want to see two random USFL teams play. No, I don't either. I don't. I yeah, I'm not paying for that. Which I'm probably not. I may not pay to see the Stallions live either because I really like <laughs> yeah. the broadcast. I, I like. I thought the broadcast was really good. I don't think I would have liked this as much if the broadcast wouldn't have been so good. They had Joel Clad up there. I can't remember who the other guy was. Who else do they have with Joel? It's Klatt? the guy from. Um, it's the dude, the host of the. Sunday NFL thing oh, they have on Fox. He's with a huge Terry name. Bradshaw and yeah, yeah, I just can't remember his, his name's eluding me for some reason. But yeah, I liked it. Uh, the camera angles were cool, except for the weird extra kick one. I didn't like that at all. I don't know if you saw that. The extra point attempt camera was very weird both times. No, I just um, I liked uh, they had you could hear what they're calling the calling the plays in the huddle. Yeah, uh, everybody's mic'd up. It. All the players, all the coaches, and the the players can hear the coaches throughout the entire play instead of just like the NFL's just like 15 seconds prior to the snap or something like that. Yeah, which I know play. the um, it was the AF they they did that too. They tried using it, but I don't remember it being very entertaining with it just because I don't think the the play was very entertaining. Yeah, but yeah, I I don't really have anything because I watched the last 20 seconds of the first half, but. I'm still, I'm just one of those guys that's just like, if it's not college or NFL, I don't really have any interest, especially now. I want to keep my interest peaked. You know, I want months without football, so when it comes back, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm ready. Watched, you know, a lot of baseball and 
you know, I'm, I'm ready for football season to start because I'm just focused on baseball right now. Was, uh, let's see, I think the Royals played. They were at, they, I think that game had just ended. And then I was just keeping up with other baseball stuff. So right now, it, it's, it doesn't matter what kind of football it is. I'm not really interested right now. Yeah, and I was in the same kind of position. I was like, I don't really want to watch this. Um, I wasn't going to, and I decided, like, well, we can talk about it. I'll flip it on. I'm glad I did. I really liked it. Yeah, they have the um, they have the helmet cam, which is cool. Uh, you, so it looks oh, like yeah. you're running around as the player. That's really cool. Uh, because they're all mic'd up, they give injury updates from the players themselves live. So, like, you don't have to wait for a coach <laughs> to do it. He, there was one guy who was just like, yeah, I rolled my ankle. I'll be fine. Like so, you didn't have to worry. Like you didn't have to sit around and be like, "What's wrong with him?" He just said it. Like so, that's yeah, that's cool. I, like I liked it. I just broke my leg into uh, <laughs> two pieces, and uh, I won't be ever. I won't ever be able to walk again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, back back to you guys up there. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, that's cool. I like like I like that you that that's a thing. Like they have li- they had a live player breakdown of a previous play. It didn't really go well because the player didn't talk well, but. They put an iPad in front of him. It's like, tell us what happened, and he just did. He like he went through it, you know. And that's that's it's like I love that. Like if you got somebody like that knew what he was talking about a little, or could speak a little better. This guy was obviously his mind was in a hundred places. He was mind was on the game, not on that play. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if you think about like if you handed that to Tom Brady when he's on the bench, he could give you a crazy cool insight. Like that's I just think that's really cool. Um, but yeah, yeah, he'd be uh, able to break it down pretty good. Like football quality wise, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was like a mid tier college game, which is good enough for me. I watch a lot of bad college games, so I'm mid tiers. I'm good with, and uh, it's kind of good to see Birmingham getting some TV time. So I, I like this. I'm if you get a chance next week, or if there's games today, maybe there are. I don't know. Watch a game, at least the first half of a game, Justin. I think you'll. I'm I'm actually considering getting like the Peacock subscription just for this so I can watch it. So I really liked it. But yeah, overall I I, I really liked it. I thought it was I thought it was really good. Um but you know, I, maybe this was like a one week thing. Maybe they brought out all the stops for it and next week it's gonna crash and burn. It's hard to say. But um I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and like I said, I think the only concern is teams playing there where they're located in New Jersey, Texas, you know, all these other places, and they're, the fans there have no chance of watching their team play in person because it's all the way in Birmingham. Right. Yeah. But, you know, maybe, like I said, I don't expect this to last over a year anyway, so maybe we'll just get a, at least one good year out of it. But, Justin, um, it's now time to learn a thing or two with your segment. Let's all visit the Learning Corner with Professor Knight. All right, students, gather round and put on your listening ears. It's time to visit the Learning Corner with Professor Knight. What are we learning today, Professor? All right, let's see what we're learning today. I have it pulled up here, so perfect. Okay, now we're ready. All right. All right. So today is April 17th so I figured you know we can just look back on April 17th and some important things that happened on this day in history okay sports history so uh, this actually just happened last year 2021 San Jose Sharks for Patrick Marley Marlowe 
ties Gordie Howe's NHL record for most regular season games played at 1,767. Um, 2015, James Anderson, he becomes the highest wicket-taking bowler in England's test cricket history. Good for him. Um, Let's see. In 1999, you had the NFL draft. University of Kentucky quarterback Tim Couch. He was the first pick by the Browns. Uh, That's just too bad. You know, the Browns have ruined every single quarterback they draft. Yes, they have. Yes, they have. Uh, 1997, the New Jersey Devils' Martin Brodeur is the second NHL goalie to score in a playoff game. It's pretty cool. Uh, let's see, 1994, you have the PGA Seniors Championship, where Lee Trevino, he beat Jim Colbert by one stroke for his second title in the event. Uh, let's see if there's any other cool... Uh, 1987, Julius Irvin comes a third NBA and ABA player to score 30,000 points. So that was a big deal. Um, oh, here's a good one, 1984. Braves pitcher Pascal Perez suspended due to cocaine usage. Mm, Seems that like that was, a, that was big with the uh, Major League uh, baseball oh, yeah. pitchers a lot, too. They loved it. They couldn't get enough of it. Uh, let's see. 1983, Nolan Ryan. He strikes out his 3,500th career batter. Uh, let's see. 1981, Rangers Anders Hedberg is second to score on a Stanley Cup penalty shot. Oh. That's pretty cool. And then let's see. 1976. Find, yeah, find us a couple couple more jewels. A couple okay. more gems in there. Uh, National League greatest comeback. This is for baseball. Trailing 12-1. to 1, The Phillies beat the Cubs 18-16. to 16. In 10 innings at Wrigley Field, Mike Schmidt hits four consecutive home runs. Wow. So that was, that's, uh, uh, that's I, big. Yeah, 12 to 1 and then went 18 16. My Ugh. goodness. Imagine blowing that lead. Yeah. Uh, and 1951, New York Yankee Mickey Mantle. It's his first game. He goes one for four. <laughs> very, very good. All right. Well, thank but you, Professor. I, Actually, oh, go ahead. just and then I just there's a Mickey Mantle thing two years later. So two years later, he hits a 576, 575. Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I'm just an idiot. I can't speak. <laughs> can't say anything. He hits a 565 foot home run in 1953. That's that's a long way. A long way. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Well, thank you, Professor. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. Well, Another wonderful segment, but we do have to go to commercial break. When we come back, we'll give out the most prestigious weekly awards in sports, the TG Emmys. We'll be right back. Welcome, everyone, to the most prestigious weekly awards show in sports, the TG Emmys. I'm Woo! Nick Norris, and with me, wooing is Justin Knight. Yeah, how's it going? Oh, I just can't wait to give out these awards. I know the uh, the winners are going to be so incredibly happy when they get their their little golden keychain in the mail that we send them. Mm, they should be happy. Uh, I'm going to give out the first award, Justin, for the quarterback 
who is somehow able to generate hype in the offseason, despite being an absolute bust last year. And this goes to Spencer Rattler. Mm, okay. um, after his after his A-Day game, South Carolina fans are just uh, just about themselves. They are so so excited for Spencer Rattler. They're, all they're posting on Twitter is how Spencer Rattler would have been great at Oklahoma. They just didn't give him a chance. He's going to be great at South Carolina. And hey, maybe. But uh, the fact that he's getting any hype generated after last season when he was a Heisman favorite and lost the starting position is insanity to me. Yeah, I don't know what they're really expecting. I, I mean, South Carolina, so they're probably, you know, see that he can actually throw a ball 10 yards down the field, and they're like, oh, my gosh. This is the best <laughs> thing we've ever seen in our lives. So yeah. there's no surprise there. I mean, he'll probably just be, you know, your average Joe. Probably, but maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. What award do you have for us, Justin? Oh, right. So, you know, going with quarterbacks here. Um, you know, I gave mine to a guy. You know, he's pretty well known. And, um, you know, this just goes for anybody, you know. You'll go on a podcast and, you know, you may have some points to what you say, but it's probably nothing you should say to the public that this is what you think. Um, Just keep it to yourself and your friends. Um, Talk about anything else while you're on a live podcast that's going to be aired to thousands of people. Um, And so this award is the better just to shut your mouth and talk about something else. Uh, This is Cam Newton after... um, the little podcast thing about you know he was talking about women and what's yeah, was, you know a good woman he was, and he was very openly sexist let's just say um, that. <laughs> um i mean he it's not like he's you know he has a wife um, yep. I, just just go worry about your wife you know and what she's you married her for a reason you have kids yep um you know so you know maybe she has qualities that you wish other women would have but uh let that you know, let somebody else worry about that. Just go tell, just go tell your close buddies how you feel. Don't tell the whole world. Um, that, that's, I'd say that's how a lot of people are. You, know, you probably have some things you don't want the whole world to know what you think. So, yeah. you know, just and talk about say, something else. I would say that most women would like Cam Newton to do incredibly different things in his life, especially like his clothing choices. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know? I mean, if Cam Newton... If he wasn't married or anything, I don't think there's any woman out there who's just like, oh, man, I love how he dresses. He just, you know, <laughs> that's somebody I want to be with. No. Yeah. Um, mm. So, yeah, just talk about talk about football. You know, yeah. that's what you're doing. Talk about, I don't know, talk about your clothes since you're big in that. Talk about stuff For you do off work. the field. Yeah. yeah. I mean, any of that goodness. stuff. Yeah. I, don't even know how the, I don't even know how the conversation came up. I don't either. I didn't watch it. I watched the little clip. That's all I watched. Yeah. Um, how about the award for High School Athlete of the Week? This goes to Curry softball player Kylie Trotter, who hit a two-run homer to seal the deal for the Yellow Jackets and win the Walker County Softball Tournament on Friday. So, congratulations. That's awesome. Nice. Very good. Best of the Week. The award for the best thing we saw this week. I'm going to give it to the USFL just because of how pleasantly surprised I was how much I enjoyed this game. I really thought I was going to hate this, and I quite liked it. So that's my best of the week. Good for the USFL. And bust of the week. This is the opposite of best of the week. It goes to the Washington Commanders, who 
has allegedly withheld funds of up to $5 million in deposits from fans in a potential consumer fraud scheme. They put their fans through enough, I'd say, to, uh, to be doing this. So, good on them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, am I surprised? It feels like the Washington Commanders are in some kind of scandal every year. Yeah. All right, well, now it is time for our listener letter segment, and I'm going to play this lovely theme song right now. Go getters, write letters. We're the ones who read them. Please don't stop writing in to fill the time we need them. We are reading letters, the letters wrote by you. All right, what a wonderful, lovely song. This email comes from <laughs> this comes from Jarrett, who asks, "What is the worst interaction you have had with an athlete or a coach?" Um, I've got some good ones. Do you have any, Justin? I don't think I really have any that I can recall. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think I really have any that I've had any terrible interaction with. Is this just like anybody, or like uh, I imagine college? it's I imagine it's like college or pro. I would say. Yeah, I, I haven't had any kind of. I I, I wouldn't have had any except when I worked at a steak a steakhouse for a while. That was. Pretty, you know, pretty, pretty nice in Birmingham. Uh, a lot of, a lot of the place, right. a lot of the athletes and coaches come came there often. So I, I, I served like Bo Jackson, who is lovely. He uh, is a, is very nice. Uh, I've waited on LSU's baseball team, which were great, um, and I waited on Ed Orgeron and Nick Saban, and those are the stories that <laughs> things went not great, and they didn't do anything wrong. Um, so Ed Orgeron came in and he wanted to order the spinach con queso dip. Um, but he couldn't. He could. I couldn't understand him because you know he's got that thick Cajun accent. So he came in and I was like, "Hey, sir, you know, welcome." I, you know, after I get their orders, you know, what could, what can I get you? And he's like, "I want a little bunk on that." Like, I said, "I'm sorry. Uh, pardon me. Can you say it again?" He said, "Oh, I said, "Uh." Sir, I've got I've got terrible hearing. Could you could you say that just just one more time? Oh yeah, big on build it. Finally, his assistant coach just looked at me. Was like he he wants the spinach con queso dip. And I was like, thank, like, thank oh, you. Like oh yeah yeah that's <laughs> what I got from that yeah yeah. Uh, the other time was uh, Nick Saban came with his family. Uh, he came at a point time of the day where nobody was in the restaurant. It was like at three. Except for one other family, and for whatever reason, the host, uh, the hostess, sat him right next to that other family. Mm. Um, and this was a mom who was an Auburn fan, who had a few too many cocktails. Oh no! And she got up uh, out of her seat, got in his face, and started cussing him out. Y'all aren't gonna be beep this year. Y'all ain't gonna do beep. Just all this, all just in his face, just basically spitting in this man's face who's just trying to eat with his family. And the look of just absolute, like, defeat on Saban's face. Like, you can tell that this is just, if this just happens. Like, everywhere he goes, this is just a thing that happens. <laughs> yeah, he's and, used to it. <laughs> yeah, he just looked, like, he didn't look at her. He just looked, like, through her. And it, it was just, like, it looked so painful. We finally just had to kick the lady out and her family because she would not leave him alone. It was insanity. But that's really my only, from memory, that's my only 
I had a cool interaction with Julio Jones when I was little. I went to the 8A camp and uh, I, have, I had nosebleed spend when I was little. It was like 110 degrees on their turf field, so my nose started bleeding. And Julio Jones came up and like gave me a towel and sat there and talked with me for a while. That was really cool. That meant a lot to me as a kid. But, uh, but yeah. very nice. Yeah. Uh, we have one more email. We have to do this one quickly. We meant to get to this one last week. Didn't have time. This is from Nick. Nick says, uh, in a theoretical scenario, what would it take for Saban to get fired by Alabama in 2022? Is there any way he could? I think he could probably admit to murder and Alabama would overlook it. Roll Tide, Nick. Uh, yeah. It would have to be they lose every game and then he is found to have done something truly horrible, right? Yeah. It would have to... Either that, I mean, even if he went 0-12, I don't even think they would fire him. No, obviously not. But he, I mean, it would have to be like, like, un, you know, absolute proof that he has done like a murder or something of that caliber. Heck, they might not even do anything then. They might just be like, ah, oh, you know, he, he was just in a bad spot. So we'll let him coach <laughs> from prison and he'll be able yeah. to lead this team to another national championship. Uh, that's possible possible i don't think that'll happen i think he's got a few years left but uh anyway great show i think happy easter everyone hope you all had a a lovely easter sunday that is wrapping up now uh if you like the show we'll be back next sunday same time uh 6 p.m on wjlx and all your podcast apps justin you have anything for us no yeah i hope you all uh, have had a great easter i hope you have a great uh week coming up stay safe out there And as always, hey, Wurgle anyways, guys. All right, we'll see you next week. Blue 42! Blue 42! Hut! Hut! Hike! Thank you for listening to The Game Managers. Like the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TGM Pod. Until next week, goodbye, adios, and sayonara.